I remember when I was a student here at the seminary, and one of the manifestations of my exam anxiety was a recurring dream that I had, really a nightmare. And it would oftentimes happen the night before a big exam. And the dream went like this. <clears throat> In my dream, I would wake up, and I look on the clock, and oh my, it's later than I thought. My alarm clock must not have gone off. In fact, the exam has already started. And so I scramble out of bed and get my clothes on and start running from the dorm room to the classroom where the exam is being held. But for some reason, my legs just won't go. <laughs> They're heavy like lead and I'm, it's so slow and the clock is ticking. Finally, I make it into the exam room, and the professor there frowns at me but hands me the exam sheet, and the time allotted is already halfway past. I sit down at my desk and open up the exam sheet, and lo and behold, I don't know what these questions are even asking me. It's nothing that I prepared for. It's all foreign to me. I'm certainly going to fail this. And it's at that time then that I mercifully wake up from this nightmare, from this dream, sit up in bed with a cold sweat, and realize it was only a nightmare. But the dream is a manifestation of something that was internalized within me, and that is a kind of exam anxiety a fear of failing the exam. Well, Jesus here points us to an exam, and it's not just any old exam, it's the exam. It's the entrance exam for entering into his kingdom. It is the qualifying exam that qualifies us for everlasting life. And ultimately, it will be the final exam that passes us through the final judgment. And do we have anxiety about that exam, about the exam? Jesus here is speaking in what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And he has gathered his disciples around him on this mountainside. And there are other crowds as well, and most likely some Pharisees who are listening in. And he is teaching them. He's teaching them about the nature of discipleship, about what it means to be in his kingdom and a follower of his. And no doubt here, as the one who is teaching from the mountain, he is hearkening back to the original mountain scene in which God's law was delivered. And in many ways, what he does here in this sermon is expl explicate what God's original intention was of that law. And so, for example, he picks up on what we would call the fifth commandment. Verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And we hear that and we say, yes, that's a commandment. 
That's part of the exam, if you will. But that's one that I pass. <laughs> I've never murdered anybody. I've never taken innocent blood. I'm safe on that one. Oh, yeah? Jesus says, listen on. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Ouch. <laughs> That's not quite what I expected. In other words, maybe you've never actively killed someone, but have you ever wanted to in your mind or even wanted to hurt them or actually hurt them through your words? Then you have broken this command and thus failed that element of the exam. How's your exam anxiety now? Well, we might say, okay, okay, I fail on that one, but there are, ten, or there are nine other commandments here. And certainly, with any exam, if you get most of them right, you pass. Isn't that the case? I mean, my grading scale here is if my students get a 65% on the exam, they still pass, just barely. It's a low D minus, but it's not an F, not a fail they pass. And so, isn't that the way that God works too? That if you get most of them right, you pass the exam? 65%? No. 85%? No. 95%? Not even that. How about 99%? No. Because God's standard is absolute, 100%. Later in this same chapter, Jesus says, you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. 100% right. How's your exam anxiety now? Well, one more defensive response that we might have is certainly God will grade on a curve, won't he? I mean, good professors do that. They grade on a curve. This means that you take the best student, the highest score, and automatically elevate it to an A. And everybody else's score is buoyed up proportionately as well. And no doubt, at the time of Jesus, the ones who they considered to be the best students, the ones who would be most likely to pass, were the Pharisees and the scribes. They were the righteous ones. But what does Jesus say here in verse 20? I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. How's your exam anxiety now? Well, 
I'll tell you in hearing these words for me, my exam anxiety is high. I have that proverbial high anxiety because how can I meet the high and holy demands of God, his absolute standard for entrance into his kingdom? What God expects is too high for me, too great, too perfect. We can't achieve God's standards. And so our only hope is in the one who can achieve God's high and holy standards, who did achieve God's high and holy standards. And he is the one who is speaking these words. He is the one who is teaching these tenets. He is Jesus himself. And in fact, earlier in this passage, Jesus himself claims to be the one who has come, as promised by the law and the prophets. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, most certainly, what Jesus here is driving at is that he is the one who comes to fulfill what the law and the prophets foretold. He is the Messiah. This is a claim to be the Messiah. But he is also alluding to the fact that in his role of the Messiah, not a single jot or tittle of the law will be abolished, but will be accomplished. And who accomplishes it? He says, I have come to fulfill the law. He is the one who comes and aces the exam 100%. And he does so as your substitute. No doubt you have experienced a substitute teacher before in elementary grade school, in high school. This is a teacher who comes in and fills in for the regular teacher when that teacher is sick or traveling. Well, Jesus here is the teacher on the mound, but we could say he's also the substitute teacher. Oh, but he doesn't come to substitute for another teacher. He comes to substitute for the student, for the test taker for you. He comes and aces the exam as a substitute for you. He keeps all the commandments perfectly in thought, word, and deed for you. And now his perfect record, his perfect score is transferred to your spiritual transcript so that you pass and you are qualified for the kingdom of God through faith in him. I heard a story about a college senior who desperately wanted to go into graduate school at an Ivy League school to do his um, graduate work towards an MBA. But he was a bit unscrupulous of a fella 
And so he arranged for another student who was brilliant, a genius in business and math, to take his qualifying exam for him instead of him. That is, this genius went into the exam center and somehow, I don't know, again, this is hearsay, it's just what I've heard, but somehow he filled out the exam sheet with the identity of the other guy. And they got away with it. And the score was so high that the other guy, who never even took the test, was admitted into an Ivy League graduate program in business. <laughs> now our response is, that's shocking. That's unscrupulous. That's unethical. That's illegal. Indeed it is. But something even more shocking took place that was completely legal, ethical, moral, and right. And that is that Christ came and took your exam for you. That qualifying exam that enables you now to enter into the kingdom of God today, now, and forever. How's your exam anxiety now? I'm currently serving as a vacancy pastor of a small congregation, and there's a member of this congregation, his name is Jim. He's given me permission to share this with you. And Jim is dying. He has cancer in his pancreas, in his lungs, among other places. He knows he's dying. Recently, I asked him, Jim, what are you thinking about your dying? And he said, Pastor, to be honest with you, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of dying, of the pain and the suffering that will accompany dying. But Pastor, I want you to know I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of death because I know that my Savior at my death will welcome me into his beautiful perfect kingdom, not because of what I deserve, but because of what he has done for me. I am confident of that, and so I don't fear death. Jim has no exam anxiety for that final exam. Today, the question is posed for you once again. How's your exam anxiety for the exam? In Christ, you need not fear. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.